0: Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast.
1: Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Oh, same cheese. Oh arguably the most disappointing cereal prize. They don't look anything like they do on the package, they They're don't even wear- come with trapeze bars. You're
2: not wearing little crowns.
1: They're just motes of <laughs> dirt.
2: <Lights
1: 107.1> My jaw found itself on the floor the other day.
2: You were pretty mystified by the whole thing.
1: I didn't realize this was even an option.
2: Well, it's not anymore, but it was back in the day.
1: We were standing around the office like we often do, talking about various memories we have, and Bruce Barrows, our manager, just mentions off the cuff, casually, that he owned a record that he got off the back of a cereal box. Yeah. They, yeah, what? they stuck a record. I think it was Jackson Five. What, was it like made out of the cardboard and it had grooves that you could put in the record it player? It wasn't
2: made out of cardboard. It was made out of a kind of vinylish type thing. Okay. That they yeah, it was part of the cereal box. That's
1: I mean, so first of all, I don't <laughs> understand how vinyl records work. The the needle <laughs> hits the bumps and all of a sudden you hear a guitar solo. That that doesn't that doesn't make sense.
2: But the fact that you could have just let, we we could I don't remember if it was like a punch out or if it was a cut out, but they had this on various cereal boxes. It just sitting there <laughs> on the it, back of the you box. You pick it up and then you could play it. All of us had a little record player in our rooms yeah. or whatever. And yeah. And so you could get a record off the back of a cereal box. Lots of stuff comes in. Well, I don't know anymore. Do they even put stuff in cereal boxes anymore? Because that used to be one of the most exciting things about cereal was the prize that you could get either in or on the box.
1: It could have been Grape Nuts, and if you had a good prize in there, I'd be like, Mom, I think I want Grape Nuts this time. We have to buy 150 boxes of Grape Nuts so all the UPCs (laughs) can buy us this decoder ring.
2: Now, sometimes... It was a stick stickum tattoo.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Prize inside, the cereal boxes, those were my favorites. I
1: loved those. And I always remember seeing, like if you collect so many box tops, you can get like a really, really good prize. Yeah, those were the tough ones. But sometimes you had to work extra hard to get what you needed. My dad bought a hundred boxes of special K with berries. <laughs> oh, why? And, Why? And, Why? There was a bond at the time where you could get send it in and get a, like a $1,000 savings bond. So my
0: dad had to have that. I think he probably spent a $1,000 on cereal. I, but.
1: I'm doing the math here and he's not pulling much of a profit. Sometimes he'll bring it up as a joke and give it to us for a Christmas present. No! but <laughs> he, he still has from the original <laughs> collection of boxes he bought?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. He'll, he'll save Whoa! them just success with us. Yeah.
1: The cereal box, the prize inside. Oh, so exciting. You see something there and you're like, I only need to eat 12 of these and it can be mine.
2: <laughs> oh, the ones that you had to send away.
1: That, yeah. I mean, uh. well, those were, those
2: were the primo prizes though, Jen. Yeah, but that those were disappointing because you had to wait.
1: And, but that was, you know, sometimes it's worth it. My dad just texted me what he was able to get with, it took eight box tops but he and his brothers were looking at this and they're like this is going to be special. 8 boxes of cereal. This is going to be a game changer. Wow. With four brothers, generally that's going to be easy. Only problem was it was a gross cereal. <laughs> Probably had bran or fiber in the name.
2: Did you just say gross? It was gross. It was gross.
1: gross cereal. Maybe it was Grape Nuts. Who so knows? what what they did, they convinced one of the brothers to eat all 8 <laughs> boxes of cereal. <laughs> Just one. This is your responsibility, Dave. Just, Was he the youngest? Uh, no, he wasn't, actually. I don't know why they didn't get Dan in on it. <laughs> but just Trash Compactor Dave, let's take all eight boxes and get rid of these. So we
2: can send off these box tops to get this prize.
1: So finally, they send off all eight box tops. And a few days later, they receive their sea monkeys. Oh, Monkeys. Which, arguably, the most disappointing cereal prize. They don't look anything like they do on the package. They They're don't even wear- come with... There's crowns. no trapeze bars. They're
2: not wearing little crowns.
1: They're just motes of <laughs> dirt. Sometimes you'll be watching one and being like, nope, that's that's a crumb.
2: All of those companies that push those should be... Sued for what? <laughs> False, advertising. False advertising. It looked like a little royal family.
1: Is it just that we're bad nurturers of sea monkeys? And well, like if, if we were better their full potential better parents of them, they would grow up to be kings and queens of the sea. I would put mine on the windowsill and then uh-huh. forget it for like ever. Poor sea monkeys. <laughs>
2: Well, the first day of school is coming for mm-hmm. most of us. It looks different in various ways. Uh, it could be next week. It could be after Labor Day. But the fact is, is for many of us, we have kids that are going to be going to school. A lot of them elementary age mm-hmm. kids. And it's going to look different. And Often, that can be a little scary and anxiety-inducing. Also for the children. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, as we talk to our friend, Jean Holthouse, she's the author of Managing Worry and Anxiety, just a great resource on this kind of stuff. She gave us some tips on how to talk to maybe your younger kids about going back to school.
3: It's important to remember that we have to deal with our anxiety so that our children don't pick it up. So, looking at, do we believe they can be okay? And we have to kind of figure out how do we get to the place where we can believe they can be okay. Because particularly elementary school students, because they're younger are queuing off of their parents and they will do as well as we do. But That's unsettling for us because if our child's only going to be in the building one day a week, for some of us, that's one day too many. For others of us, that's four days too few. But for all of us, it means that our routines are disrupted too because all of a sudden we're not sending them off eight hours a day every day and there's this consistency to it. So looking at how do we get a routine established even now maybe where we're thinking through some of those things so that we can see it as doable, and we can believe it can be okay, and then we want to actually have conversations with our kids about how it's going to be okay. It's going to be different, but it's going to be okay. But we have to get there inside of ourselves first.
2: I remember one particular day back when Benjamin was in fifth grade. He came home after a uh, like a field day that mm-hmm. they had. His pants were on inside out. He was missing a sock. Oh boy! And his shirt was ripped. All right. That's a boy in fifth
1: grade. Mm-hmm. So
2: my heart is going out to teachers and parents right now that have to convince kiddos that age to keep a mask
1: on. There are schools <laughs> where mask if you're coming in, you're going to be wearing a mask. And so we asked Gene Holthouse, is there anything in your wisdom that would help parents convince their kids to keep that mask on all day?
3: One of the ways to talk about it with elementary and adolescents is to talk about it in terms of this is how you're taking care of not only you, but others, we help everybody to stay safe by doing this. So, this is a way you're contributing to the larger, particularly for elementary school students, they want to be helpers. So, if I'm helping to keep everybody else safe by wearing my mask, then I'm more likely to do it than if it's just so that I don't get sick. Because I don't really care if I get sick some days. Well, I don't think I they, think they can get sick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why they lick the floor. <laughs>
3: This is true. This is true. (laughs) But I do want to be a good helper. So if I know that it's helping others, it will make me more inclined to wear my mask for longer, at least. That's a brilliant idea. I just I'm
2: picturing a whole line of kids. Wearing masks that say "I'm a helper." If somebody hears me say that right now, I think that's a that's a great idea for school kids, especially. Yeah. To, oh yeah, I'm a helper. I'm I'm doing good. Well,
1: you're, wear your helper mask.
2: Yeah, wear your helper masks, and that's what you could. They could call them helper masks. Oh, Gene, it's a great idea. You need to go ahead and patent <laughs> that right now.
1: Sometimes I wear a shirt that says "I'm a helper," but it's just around the house, so my wife knows I'm contributing.
2: I'm helping just by standing here.
1: You get to look at me for encouragement. <laughs> She doesn't like it when I do that. I'm hoping it'll catch on.
2: Our culture is funny about birthdays, isn't it? I mean, on one hand, we're supposed to celebrate the time that we were born. But on the other hand, our culture really seems to... Put a high premium on youth.
1: There comes a point where birthdays become less like excitement that you get to celebrate with your friends, and more like okay. I can't believe. Yeah,
2: I can't believe I've hit this age. And that's kind of the position that I was in this weekend as I was ruminating over the fact that I do have another birthday and. I love my birthday just because Mm -hmm. it's a day about me, but I do not love the idea of getting older because I live in a culture where we reward youth, Mm -hmm. you know, and as I get older and older all the time, (laughs) you start to feel more and more irrelevant. Mm. But this year, I just, I just had the most wonderful of birthdays. I look at my life and I never expected that I would be where I am right now. In fact, somebody outside of my life might look at my life and think, why are you so happy? Mm. I mean, 2019 was difficult. You went from being married to being not married Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, A lot of things about my life don't look the way that I would have thought that they would have looked at this age. But here's the thing. In the midst of all of this... I can actually sing a song like the one that Chris Tomlin just sang Mm. that says you're everything to me. And for the first time in my life, I can mean it. God had to take me to a place where I had nothing but him. There were a lot of times that I didn't even feel like I had him, Mm. but he was always there. So as I came out of it on the other side and celebrated my birthday this year, I had something that I've never truly understood before, and that was peace. Now, if you've ever had to put a pet on a diet, <laughs> you know that, I mean, it's a dreaded thing. When, when, when the vet looks at you and says, all right, your pet needs to lose a few pounds, you're like, <sighs> How am i supposed to do this do, now, do you
1: understand
2: yeah now do you yeah exactly you say that to the vet do you do you understand I, I mean
1: i know you have a degree and stuff but surely you understand a dog
2: and the reason why we're asking this is our friend chris scotland in the afternoons here at life 107.1 he has one of the world's most adorable dogs riley is a golden retriever a big bear of a dog. I actually fostered Riley mm-hmm. for seven months. I adore him. I love him. Um, And and he has to go on a diet.
1: He's he's a little, little higher than he needs to be. And
2: so Riley has to go on a diet. Now, Chris and I have experience with being on diets. Mm-hmm. Chris is being very careful right now and looking great. And I just got off of a really strict diet. Looking great as well. Well, thank you very much. That's nice of you to say. So, checks in the mail. So, the question is... Is it harder to put your pet on a diet or yourself on a diet? I say it's harder to put your pet on a diet. You do. And this is why. I can look into the mirror and I can see my big brown eyes Mm -hmm. looking sad at me and wanting chocolate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner Mm. and all the extra that I shouldn't have. And I can tell myself no.
1: Okay. You're you're good at self-denial.
2: I can tell myself no. I can reason with myself. Uh-huh. Now, do I always listen to myself? No, but I can do it. <laughs> but when the big, brown, limpid, pool eyes of a dog or a cat that has been told they have to be put on... When they look at me
4: mm-hmm.
2: and they want a treat or yeah. they want food or they want snack or they want anything, I can't say no.
1: no. I can't say No. <laughs> I strongly considered agreeing with you this morning Jen if, if I'm really I, I, I came I came close and
2: then you remembered that you're never allowed to agree it's, with me I think
1: it's in my contract somewhere <laughs> but what we want to know if you think it's harder to put yourself on a diet or your pet Jen says it's harder for your pet and you've got you've got some good points I mean really I, I can say no to myself I have a very hard time
2: saying no to my dog
1: but here here's the difference between myself and my dog my dog doesn't go through the grocery store. And walk down the aisles and smell the sugary sweets of the Hy-Vee bakery or see the colorful candy wrappers in the checkout lines. I can just stop buying unhealthy dog food and hide all the stuff from my dog. I have to go to the grocery store. And I'm sorry, but I have to walk down the Oreo aisle and I just can't control what my hands might do there. You have to, huh? It's in my contract as well. <laughs>
2: Dr. Heidi, I try to convince myself that it's just me being prepared, but I know I'm not the only one that has a hard time with the what ifing.
4: Yes. And we get caught up into it for that exact reason. We think it's preparing. We think we're being responsible adults by what ifing ourselves to death. Really, right? I'm just trying to control a situation. Pretty much. Really? Pretty <laughs> much. Yes. The problem with that is it leads to anxiety. And we're not good at it. We're not good at guessing what tomorrow is going to bring. And so it's really important that when we find ourselves what ifing or running scenarios or over preparing for tomorrow, that we stop and catch ourselves and identify okay, what is really going on? What's really going on is I'm trying to control something that I don't actually know is going to happen. Usually, when we're doing that, our thoughts are racing and they're out of control. Mm -hmm. And so, what's really helpful is to stop and put it on paper. And you can do this yourself. You can do this with your kids. Kids are really great at what ifing. Slow down, put it on paper, and then run a few scenarios, but then have an end mm-hmm. and say, okay, I've got a pretty decent plan. There's other things that could happen, but I'm just gonna trust that prayerfully I will be able to deal with whatever tomorrow brings as it comes. Okay. I find that I'm often what ifing when I'm
2: already stressed. And in my life, that leads to lack of sleep. And mm-hmm. I have found sure. even recently waking up. If I reach over and grab a pen
4: and just write it down on a piece of paper, it actually helps me get back to sleep. It's a great strategy because then your brain knows, oh, I don't have to remember it internally. I've brain dumped it externally. Mm -hmm.
1: I think the other thing I've found is so often when I get into a what if rampage, it's all negative what ifs. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like what if I said instead, what if everything goes perfectly tomorrow? What if the meeting gets done early and and instead you start envisioning things going well instead of constantly reliving these incredibly stressful things that, let's be real, probably aren't going to happen?
4: Exactly. And so then we're borrowing stress from the future that may or may not happen, and it's robbing us of joy in the present. And so, again, getting back to taking each moment as it comes, trusting that we're going to have the wisdom and the decision-making skills in the future that we have today to handle whatever tomorrow brings.
2: I want you to think about the person that you trust the most in the world. Mm. Say, for example, maybe a, a really trusted doctor All right, or, or a financial manager, somebody that has a lot of expertise in an area that you often worry about. Maybe and it's your boss.
1: Maybe they ask you what you want to do about something and you just say, what would you do in this situation?
2: And then they tell you, you know what? Hey, I got it. Everything's going to be okay. Right, Hmm. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, okay, super. I don't have to worry about this anymore because they've got it. We have the God of the universe, the God that made it all, the God that makes it all run every single second of every single day who has said this to us. I cause everything to work together for the good of those who love me Hmm. and are called according to my purpose. That's Roman 8, a paraphrase. But he's already said, I got this. I'm going to work it all together for good. Now, does that mean he's saying everything is going to be good for you? Not necessarily. <laughs> but what he does say is, I've got this and it's all going to work together for good. Mm. And yet I still, every, I mean, like last week with the power yeah. being out. And I couldn't control it. And I was absolutely losing my mind, you know, because I'm like, I can't do anything about this. I don't know about about electricity. I can't find anybody to talk to. My kids aren't staying with me. I'm not at home. Everything's out of pocket. I don't like this. I don't (laughs) like this, but I have no control. And yet at the same time, God is like, Jen, I'm working it all out Mm. for good. Stop worrying about it.
1: You get a little panicked when the car swerves to the right when you were swerving to the left until you realize you're actually in the passenger seat with a toy wheel. <laughs> I think that's a little bit what it's like. I think we would all like to believe we're the masters of our own universes.
2: <laughs> oh, and wait, maybe, Like He-Man?
1: <laughs> maybe we wouldn't put it that way, but... I started realizing when I started reading about there's an actual command that God gives his people in the Bible that you need to have a holy day where you do no work. He called it a Sabbath. A rest. And when I read that as a kid, I was like, this is great. God gave us a day off. I'm supposed to rest. It's wonderful. You
2: thought that was good as a kid? I, loved I didn't it. like it because my mom and dad made me take a nap on Sundays.
1: But then as I became an adult, I started realizing how hard that command was yeah. because I realized what I actually believed about my life was that if I didn't have an iron grip on the steering wheel of my life, as soon as I let that thing go, the car is going to spin out of control. Yeah, And the Sabbath was a day where God pries my fingers off the wheel so he can prove to me that he controls the world better than I can. And I started realizing how much I have defined myself by my ability to produce, whether it's get work done at work, do hobbies at home, get chores done, make the house look like this, go run this errand, get everything done. And when you take a day to strip that away, you say, I'm still a child of God, even though I'm not doing anything. Uh, The world is not spinning to pieces, even though I'm not doing anything. Maybe that's what the Sabbath is supposed to teach us.
2: There is a plethora of amazing foods at the Iowa State Fair. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about the Iowa State Fair this morning because, you know, we would be going to it, it right about now. Would but have been
1: going on, would have been perfect weather for it.
2: We're going to wait for a year and it's going to be there again and all those foods and calories are going to be there. <laughs> but if we could choose any food to create and have at the Iowa State Fair. We're thinking about those this morning.
1: What food would you create?
2: Scotch fries on a stick. I can't believe we haven't thought How of that we- until this point. Oh, my goodness. I know.
0: I just got up and I heard that and it's like, oh, yeah
1: do i go beyond the stick because that's kind of an Iowa dessert. So. Oh, would, my goodness. Anyway. That would be so perfect.
2: It's so obvious. Yeah. Why hasn't anybody thought of that? Well, we'll become
1: famous. We'll we have our Exactly. Yep. We can split the royalties. <laughs> there you go.
4: There you go.
2: <laughs> if you could create your own fair food, what would it be? There's a dessert that I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally love it so much that I have gone around and tried it at various restaurants in Iowa just so that I could say that I've tried it in all sorts of different places because I love this, this dessert so very much. The only thing that would make creme brulee any better. Uh-oh. Is if you took a big ball of it? Oh yeah, and dropped it in a deep fire Oh yeah, and deep fried creme brulee. Oh my! Goodness. And then took it out and stuck it in one of those little, you know, cardboard boats. And then while it's still hot, dust it with cocoa.
1: Yes, sugar. Please,
2: cocoa powdered sugar, like chocolate powdered sugar, on a big ball of deep fried creme brulee.
1: How would the creme brulee react to being fried? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Although we miss it this year, in a year, the Iowa State Fair will be back, big and bad, with lots of good foods there.
1: And we just want to know, what food would you invent for the State Fair? Chicken cordon bleu on a stick. Yeah! Okay.
2: That sounds okay. good.
1: You got some meat, you got some cheese, you got some fried. And bacon in there. And bacon, yeah. Yeah.
4: Mmm. Yeah. Some Iowa that sounds pork.
2: good. Man, I haven't had chicken cordon bleu in a long time. Yeah. I used to have it at camp all the time. Yeah, oh, but yeah. not on a stick. It has to be on a
0: stick. It does have oh, to be yeah. on a
1: stick. <laughs> I think that's science. When you put something on a stick, the flavor changes. Am I lying? Tell, tell me where the lie is. I think this is a billion dollar idea. Billion with a B? Yes. Oh boy. Three words savory funnel cake. Oh. You start with your funnel cake, you get some pulled pork on there, maybe a little barbecue sauce. That's all I can think of to go on there right now, but I'm just thinking about that funnel cake and well, some what about, pulled
2: pork. what about funnel cake with like uh, blue cheese crumbles and Parmesan or, oh, or garlic and Parmesan?
1: Garlic and Parmesan. Get some bacon on there. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, blue cheese and bacon crumbles
1: on a funnel cake. Are you listening, State Fair? We are brilliant food scientists. <laughs>
2: No, we're not. We just Uh, really love food.
1: I'm a theoretical food scientist. I can say the words, but I can't pull it off.
2: Does anybody do savory funnel cakes?
1: I don't know. I haven't Googled it yet because I don't want my world to be crushed (laughs) when I realize everybody does it.
2: (laughs) Well, it's coming. I don't know what it's going to look like. For a lot of people, it's going to be different. The school year. Mm -hmm. And we we can talk about it and we can moan about it and we can complain about it and worry about it and what if about it. Or we can pray for you.
1: And so we want to know, if, especially if you're working for a school, how can we be praying for you and your co-workers as we come into this school year?
0: Well, I think the big thing for me, I've spent a lot of time praying going into the school year. And my biggest prayer is to stay above the noise. mm to not get involved with that, to be light. You know, God called us to be Davids in front of our Goliaths. And so mm. it's really just about living each day for what it is, because we can't waste away our lives in the what ifs.
1: Do you work for a school? I sure do. What do you do?
0: I'm a special education
1: teacher. I mm. um, specialize in behavior. That wow. is a really good one to think about.
2: Stay above the noise. Yeah. I, I want to put that on a mug now. Yeah. That is nice. I think God gave that to me. So I think he did, too. And to us now. We will pray for you. You are now on our list. I love that. Thank you. It's definitely on our minds, all of our minds collectively. It's in the headlines every day. The school year is beginning Mm -hmm. and it's different. But rather than worry, how about we pray?
1: And we want to know who can we be praying for?
0: For our school nurses in Mm. Iowa. We're heading in there this year with a lot of knowledge that we're needing to get out there to teachers and staff and just pray that we can be a calm face for everyone, and just for myself, um, just remembering that God is bigger than it all.
1: So So you're a school nurse?
2: I am a school nurse. Wow. Thank
1: Thank you you. for what
2: you do. And, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of people who are Really appreciative of school nurses in 2020 more than they ever have been before.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's going to be a busy one for sure. And just first for our health associates, too, because they're helping us as well and walking into some pretty new stuff this year, too.
2: If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And the beginning of the school year is big enough to worry about. So. Let's pray instead.
1: If you work at a school for a school with kids who go to school, we want to know how we can be praying for you.
0: My prayer is for all the students that are doing online Mm. learning. There are a lot of them that have special needs and have people that are going to have to try to support them over the Internet Mm -hmm. and Some of those don't deal well with not having that in-person contact.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: My biggest prayer is for understanding in those students that are struggling at home to try to learn without that in-person contact.
2: That is a very, very important audience to remember. I hadn't even thought about that. I'm a behavior para,
0: and so trying to help your student across a computer. Yeah.
1: There's that one extra layer that yeah. makes it that much harder to communicate.
2: My mother was right. a behavior para as well. Yes. My mother was a special ed teacher, and
0: I have behavior children, so it's very dear to my heart.
2: Sahara dust events, forest fires, durations 30-minute hurricanes. <laughs> I mean, 2020 has been a year of weird weather. It really has. Weird weather. And with weird weather always comes weird weather stories. So I want to tell you about... <laughs> One of the weirdest things that ever happened to me when I'm it came so excited to weather. About this. I know because I haven't told him this story ahead of time. I was in West Des Moines, mm-hmm. and I found the line. The line. The line. Have you ever experienced this where it's raining? And then you find the line
1: where it's not where raining the rain anymore. stops, where the rain stops. It's where, my favorite <laughs> Shel Silverstein novel.
2: I was I, I was walking near my house in West Des Moines years ago and I found the line. You
1: just walked, took I another just, step and there was no rain. Yes. And you could see it on the sidewalk. So, like, did One you look sa- behind yourself at like a curtain of rain?
2: One side was raining and the other
1: side was dry. And I'm like...
2: I, I put one foot on one and one foot on the other, and I'm like, hey, look at this! I'm on the line! My neighbors didn't think it was as cool as I did. I was like,
1: that's the coolest thing that's ever happened. You needed to get a long stick and be like Moses and be like, we can cross on dry land! <laughs>
2: Weird weather. Yeah. I, I thought it was weird the day that I found the line. I could literally put my foot on the rain and mm-hmm. then step into the dry. I mean, so logically,
1: I, <laughs> every rainstorm has, an has a line somewhere. Yeah, but I
2: found it that day. Yeah. There was no pot of gold like at the end of the rainbow. But, you know, it was it was still exciting for me. It was weird weather.
1: Now, what about this? This happened in Sweden. Sweden? In Sweden, when people looked up in the sky and chocolate was falling. Literal, what? Literal chocolate rain falling from the sky.
2: <laughs> I would think I was in heaven. I know!
1: It was a beautiful moment. Wait,
2: went how was chocolate... This is not like Cloudy and a Chance of Meatballs. No, what what no. was this? What happened? Well,
1: this is in the city where the uh, Lindt Chocolate Factory is. Oh, L-I-N-D-T. Yeah, not what you find in your pockets, what you find in the checkout aisle at the grocery store. <laughs> and there was apparently an issue with the venting system that caused this factory to just shoot a bunch of cocoa dust into the sky <laughs> and gently settle over the town. Apparently one car got so dusted with this stuff literally I looked at the picture and I thought it was a brown car that had gotten snowed on but it was a white car that had gotten chocolated on <laughs> I love it. they offered to clean the car for free and the guy was like no I think I'm good actually
3: this has been the Taylor and Jen podcast
1: you can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life 1071com or on the life 107 point one app